Welcome to the sanctuary online and on the patio. The Lord is good. It says in Psalms 136, verse 1, the Lord is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. From every nation and time, from generation to generation, we worship you.
after this song, we're going to be taking communion. You can find the ailments in the lobby if you have not received them. So join me in preparing our hearts as we continue in worship. Who else would rocks cry out to worship? Whose glory taught the stars to shine?
morning. You may be seated if you'd like. My name's Jim Moyer. I'm one of the pastors here at Camarillo Community Church. And uh, as we continue worship our Lord in song, we'll also join together in worshiping through communion. We, um, we think about this God that we praise. And it just amazes me that God loved us so much that he was willing to bear the cost, to pay the price for our sins, indeed our rebellion against him. Jesus came to this earth being sent by the Father as a servant. And though he was very God, yet he emptied himself and he humbled himself in obedience, even until death on the cross. Through Jesus' death, we experience forgiveness of sin and restoration to God. So because of Jesus' humility and his obedience, the Father has highly exalted Jesus and given him a name above every name. Jesus is Lord. And the Father has invited us into his very own family. He has given us the right to be his sons and daughters. And we have the right to be called that because of the work that Jesus did. As we are in his family, he is kind and he is generous. His overwhelming kindness follows us. And he's faithful and he's worthy. We have a million reasons to trust in what he is doing. And this this is what we celebrate. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for a love so perfect that you would give your son that we could be called your adoptive children. Father, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your faithfulness. And Father, we'd ask that you do your work in us this morning. And we pray this. Passover meal with his disciples started a tradition that the church has done for 2,000 years. And we continue that this morning. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. said, this is my blood of a new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Drink of it.
I don't know how to worship because I don't know these words yet. My prayer for you this morning would just to echo the words on the screen. To declare them for yourself. Yes. Yes, God. I just want to thank you, Jesus. A testimony of your goodness. And the safety of your presence.
you, church. If there's one area in my life that Satan gets me every time of fully trusting Jesus, it's finances. For some of you, it might be marriage, it might be kids, but for me, finances every single time. And I forget that we serve a God of the impossible. And what I realized lately is that I've been convicted in my prayer life of being able to pray out loud. As I read through the scriptures, I constantly see Jesus looking up to heaven, speaking his prayers. And that convicted me. So I started praying out loud the past couple weeks. Anybody familiar with the phrase, when it rains, it pours? Yes. And let me tell you, the devil knew right where to go. Because it was raining and pouring. I always use that in a negative context. I never say when it rains, it pours and blessings are coming into my life. So let me lay it down for you. We had a baby boy in December. Medical bills keep coming in. After insurance, $6,000. I don't have $6,000. And all the bills hadn't even come in yet. And again, finances is the one thing every time that gets my focus that's supposed to be completely on the Lord, completely trusting Him. I have a million reasons to trust Him and just starts to fade. That's not all. My dog falls off the couch. Her back legs are paralyzed. $1,100. I'm quick with math when uh, things aren't going well financially. And then for my taxes, meeting with the CPA, he goes, this year, normally I owe $3,500. We put it aside, we do the Dave Ramsey envelope system, so it's a wash. This year you're gonna owe $10,000. I said, but we had a kid for the purpose of helping our taxes, mind you, and bought a house. He goes, well, the tax laws are always changing and let me tell you my friends I was pleading to God I was praying out loud as if I had a foghorn at the end of my mouth praying God I want you to do the complete impossible God I pray for these medical bills because I know that they're gonna continue to grow because not all of them have even processed yet I know it's gonna be over six thousand dollars so I'm gonna pray the impossible. I'm gonna pray, God, that these bills are less than $6,000. I know it's impossible, but God, I'm gonna pray that these bills are less than $6,000. I trust you, you've always provided, and you will continue to provide, even though I'm shaking in my boots. And God, I also wanna lift up these taxes to you and I'm gonna pray the impossible. Not only do I wanna not have to pay, Lord, I wanna 
pray for a refund. Completely impossible. Completely impossible. And I was praying everywhere, folks. In the shower, where I was walking, in my office. So I get to a point that I'm like, Lord, I don't know what this looks like, how you're going to answer prayers, but I know that you are a God of the impossible. You've showed yourself time and time again. I call the hospital to ask. I know that you haven't received, I haven't received all the bills yet, but I want you to tell me what the damage is so I can have a heart attack now rather than later. Because have you ever noticed the unknown is one of the worst things was just again that pure focus of being on God continued just to drift rather than continuing to trust in him so I kept praying out loud I called the hospital give him my name and I said I want to know how much these hospital bills are going to cost so I can try to be able to have a number to budget she goes, sir, your hospital bill is $1,800. I said, what? I'm holding, and I wanted to be integrous because I could have just jumped on and said, done, I'm sold. I'm holding a $3,900 bill in my hand. And I said, ma'am, I'm holding a $3,900 bill. She goes, I've never seen this before, but you owe $1,800. That's it. And I was like, praise God. I get on the phone with the tax guy. This is like two weeks ago. He goes, well, we finished your return, Mr. Reed. Oh, and by the way, your 2020 taxes were done incorrectly. And I said, you did my 2020 taxes. <laughs> yeah, we did them incorrectly. And I said, all right, so you're gonna owe another $3,000. And I was like praying out loud over the phone. Lord, like I said, I can add up numbers really quick when it comes to having to figure out debt. And I said, all right, so what's the, what's the damage for 2021? I said, I know last time we talked, it was $10,000. And he said, well, you're going to owe $800 in federal, and you're getting a refund for $2,200 in state. And I had him repeat it because I said, how is this possible? And I remember praying for the impossible. And someone recently said, I was sharing this, Kelly, you still are owing money. I said, that's not what it's about. What it's about is being able to cry out to the Lord and for him to do things that are humanly impossible so that he gets the glory. 
I've learned that those two words are two of the most powerful words ever. So that. So maybe this morning, there's something on your heart that seems completely humanly impossible. And I wanna encourage you this morning to pray that. Pray it out loud, declare it. God, I give this to you. Whether it's my marriage, whether it's my kids, whether it's my job, whether it's something I'm struggling with, whether it's something I have never said, I wanna pray out loud. Blessed assurance. Would you stand with me? Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchase of God. Born of His
everybody. What's up? Glad to see you guys. If you don't know me, I am Zach Lawler, the high school pastor here and the second teaching pastor. Second part isn't important, but I like bragging, not going to lie. Um, if you want a way to remember me, if you don't know me, just remember I'm the one pastor here on staff that doesn't have to shop at the big and tall store. So <laughs> that was a joke about Kenny because he's giant. You get it? Um, oh, sorry. Kenny, don't eat me. We'll be all right. Um, I do shop at the normal stores. I shop at Ross. That's where I got this shirt, because I'm bougie. <laughs> it looks good, though, right? Um, today, today we're going to be taking a break from 1 Corinthians. And I know, you're welcome. And we're going to be hopping into Philippians. And I want to be in the book of Philippians, because I want to talk about something that I think applies to all of us in our moment, in our lives, right now. And it's this little word called uncertainty. Uncertainty. I want to talk about uncertainty in our lives, in our worlds, and in our everyday lives as believers. So we're going to be in the book of Philippians talking about uncertainty. And I was thinking about uncertainty. And a cell phone. So I was thinking about uncertainty. And um, I, it reminded me of a time in my life when I, when I think I faced the most uncertain situation. And that was when I decided to leave the military and enter what we call the civilian world. And as you can imagine, leaving the military is hard because the military is a very stable job. There's two things about the military. Number one, there's always going to be bad guys and there's always going to be emergencies and the Coast Guard deals with both, right? Secondly, once you're in the military, it's hard to make it in, but once you get into the military, it's really easy to succeed at, right? You just need to do what you're told. It is easy to succeed at, evidenced by the fact that Joel Morris and Jim Moyer both were in the military for 20 years, right? They'll keep anybody in the Navy, right? <laughs> One of those guys is my boss. I just lost my job. <laughs> it's been real. All right. Um, I'm sorry, Joel. I love you. But uh, it is easy to stay in if you do what you're told. So I'm in the military. I'm doing a good job. I have this, I have this successful career facing me, you know, like I'm an American hero and everything, and I'm paying my bills, and they're paying for my college education. And my kids, they look up to me, right? And my wife, she loves the way I look in a uniform. I looked good, okay? And, and things are going well for Zach. But then I start getting this pulling on my heart. I get, I get this pull from God, and I keep asking myself this question, like, Zach, in the last three years, you have saved multiple people. I did. And um, you've helped people whose boats are flooding, and you've saved boats that were on fire, and you guys have saved kids at sea who were going to drown in the ocean. But here's my question. What happens after you save them? What happens to their souls? Like, what happens if you save them and they go home happy and they live long, happy lives and they never meet Jesus and then they die without knowing the Lord? What happens to them? And I was just convicted by this for years. And so finally I decided, you know what, I need to, I need to go pursue this pastoring thing. But you guys should know, pursuing a pastoring career is very unrealistic. Like, do you guys know how someone becomes a pastor? Raise your hand. Does anybody? No one knows, right? The only way I know of is to push Kenny down the stairs, right? And he's bigger than I am. And, and I tried once, and he threw me down the stairs. No, he didn't really do that. Um, but I didn't know how to become a pastor. So the guys in the military, I tell them my plan, and they start asking me really reasonable questions like, Zach, how do you become a pastor? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Well, Zach, what is the best path to becoming a pastor? How much do they make, and what are you even qualified for? Again, I don't know. 
But I just think God is calling me to this position, to this role, and I'm going for it. So, if you guys could start the timer, that'd be great. So, they, um, they all start making fun of me on the boat, and they're like, all right, Zach, um, we don't see this working out <laughs> for you. Like, we are completely uncertain of your future. Not just that, we're convinced you're going to fail. So they bought me this award on the way out. I wanted to share with you guys if my lovely assistant, Vanna, could bring it out. Thank you. That's so awesome. So they got me this, right? A toilet bowl brush. And they wrote really kind things on there, like, you know, your future is bright as long as you clean with this tool. And... Don't settle for uh, a Big Mac. Go work at Chick-fil-A, right? Which I would love to work for Chick-fil-A. I'm just going to set this there so you guys can enjoy it, okay? But that was my reward, and that kind of sums up my military career, okay? <laughs> but, but I get out, and, and I start this pastoring job. Luckily, the Lord blessed me with this job being a high school pastor, and I still have this idea all the time. Like, what if this doesn't work out? Like, what if this does not work out for me? I could always go back to scrubbing toilets. I did it in the military. It worked out fine. But what if it doesn't work out? As a matter of fact, how do we know anything in life will work out for our happiness? How do we know that everything is going to be good for us financially? How do we know that we're going to be happy? How do we know that we're going to be successful? How do we know that we're going to have comfort? I mean, we face so many uncertain things in life right now. For example, for the first time in my life, we're facing a world war, right? For the first time in my life in 36 years, we're talking about nuclear war. I go to the store and some of the shelves are empty and we have government officials talking about real food shortages. I've never heard any language like this. And then I get on the news this morning and they're talking about yet another strand of COVID coming our way. What will that do to the church? What will that do to my family? What will that do to my job? Like there's all these uncertainties and worries. So I thought what we could do today is we're going to go into the Bible and glean some knowledge from God on how we should deal with uncertainty, stress, and worry as believers. And then I thought what we could do is we can compare and contrast how I in the world and how many people in the world respond to stress and worry. So if you guys don't mind, we're going to be in Philippians 4 today. Before we do that, will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's moving. God, I thank you for the people in this room, their, their ears and their hearts. God, I have some things to say. And I pray that it's from you. If nothing's from you, in my mouth, Lord, just quiet it. Let your words come out, Jesus. And work on our hearts in this place, in this building today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Philippians 4. We're going to start in 4 through 7. We're going to start in verse 4. should be up on the screens for you guys. And this is in the ESV. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known made to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So we're talking about uncertainty here, you guys. Stress and worry. And 
Paul, my boy Paul, starts out with these words, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And just a little background on this passage, okay? So right before this, Paul is addressing some disputes amongst members within the body of Christ. And not just that, the church is facing real persecution. They are being beaten and arrested. So for me, this is insane. Why would Paul start with the words, rejoice? Rejoice. And sometimes when I read this, I think, where are you going with this, Paul? With everything going on, how could you be saying rejoice? Like, Paul, have you not heard that like in the church we're losing our jobs and we're getting separated from family members because of what we believe and now we're being beaten and we're being disrespect- disrespected in the public sector? Like, what do we have to rejoice about? And they actually think this is why Paul wrote this word rejoice twice, because he knows the people he's writing to would be thinking just that, Paul, things aren't going well. How could you tell us to rejoice in life? But I want to make a huge point, you guys. Where was Paul when he was writing this? Paul's locked up, yo. Paul's in jail. All right? Just give you some perspective. And I think this is crazy because I've had family members write me from prison. You can tell by the way I look, I have family in prison, right? A couple of them. We have people locked up, right? And I've received letters from people in prison, and I can tell you what they never say. They never say, man, it's going so well in here. The people are so nice. I love the food. You've never lived until you've had that mystery meatloaf. I don't know what it's made out of, but I love it, right? Like, I've never heard that from someone in prison. Usually when you receive a letter from someone in jail, you hear two things. Please get me a lawyer. Send money. You don't hear people in jail rejoicing. You don't hear people in prison rejoicing. But we have our boy Paul. And he's locked up. And how often does he say to rejoice? How often? Always. Rejoice always in every situation all the time. And then he says this. We're going to come back to that idea of rejoicing and how we can do that. But he says this. Let your reasonableness, your gentleness be known to everyone. I put gentleness in parentheses. I think that's what they are. I don't know. I didn't do well in school. But I put it in there. Okay. And um, I changed it because ESV uses reasonableness, but everywhere else this Greek word is used in the New Testament is actually translated as gentleness. Neither one of these words really help you understand. This word in the Greek actually has a very distinct meaning. It means to be willing to yield one's personal rights and show consideration and gentleness to everyone. So let me sum up these thoughts. First, Joyce, uh, first Paul says, rejoice in all things, rejoice always, right? And then he says, be willing to give up your personal rights and happiness together uh, to everyone. And I say this again, what is Paul talking about here? Like we're stressed out, we're worried, we have so much going on, and we have this guy telling us to rejoice, to rejoice, and to worry about other people's rights over our own. And this brings us to our first idea The world worries, and believers rejoice. The world is going to worry in times of uncertainty. The world is going to stress in times of of uncertainty, and we are called to rejoice. We are called to rejoice, but here we come back to this question, why? Why are we rejoicing in times of suffering? What is there to rejoice about? The next words tell us everything we need to know. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So church, why do we rejoice? We rejoice because Jesus is coming, or we are going to Jesus. Secondly, what do we have that the world does not have? Salvation. We have salvation in our lives. We always have a reason to rejoice. No matter how things go, in the end, we win. So we rejoice. No matter our circumstances, we win. First point, the world worries and we rejoice. Look, this is a difficult lesson to take on in our lives sometimes. We just heard those amazing words from Kelly. And I say, Amen, Kelly, that's so awesome. A man of prayer praying out loud in his car. And in his shower, praying to Jesus to overcome his circumstances. Praying to Jesus to do only what Jesus can do. But here's the difficult question to ask ourselves. What if he wouldn't have stepped in for Kelly? Like, what if he didn't answer Kelly's prayers? What if he let Kelly pay back $6,000 in hospital bills? And what if he made Kelly owe $8,000 in taxes... Is God still not good to Kelly Reed? Has God still not provided salvation to the Reed family? Is Kelly still not held in the Lord Jesus Christ? Look, guys, in this church, there's real problems. Sometimes we don't keep the job. Sometimes we lose our marriage. Sometimes our job goes away. Sometimes we get sick. Sometimes people we love die. God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want, but no matter what happens in life, we win. We rejoice in the fact that we are saved. God is good. We win. Church, I hope you're hearing me on that. We win. None of this matters. None of this matters because in the end, our circumstances don't matter because of what Jesus already did. So church, we rejoice today, we rejoice tomorrow, we rejoice the day after. For this reason, we have been set free. And so I had this idea, church. I had this thought in my head. If someone walked in this room right now, or if they walked into this church during worship, if they, saw, if they saw the way I was worshiping this morning, would they say that we're a people that always rejoice and celebrate the Lord? Like, what if they followed me around in my day-to-day life? Am I always rejoicing in the Lord? Am I always celebrating the Lord? And this brings us to our second point from the text. The world complains and plays the victim. And we pray and give thanks to God. So let's go back to the word really quick. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So apart from the Lord... We have stress coming our way. And what do we do? We usually respond by complaining and bickering and moaning and playing the victim or blaming other people. That's what the world does. But Paul says to give your concerns to the Lord. 
And this is where we were talking about Kelly giving his complaints to the Lord, and the Lord heard him. And again, I say, amen, I'm so pumped for him. But notice what Paul does not say. Paul does not say that God will answer all of your prayers the way you want. Paul does not say that God's going to make every single situation work out in your favor here on earth. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. This word guard here, this word guard is huge. Okay, so the word guard here in the Greek, when we hear guard, we picture a middle-aged man on a Segway at the mall, right? like buzzing around the mall, yelling at kids for hanging on the banisters. That's what I think of when I hear the word guard. But this word guard in the Greek actually means like a garrison of soldiers surrounding a king in battle for protection. Just picture like a garrison of soldiers surrounding a king in battle. And that is what the Lord is doing. But what is he guarding us in? He is guarding us and our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. He's guarding the idea that we are saved, that we are set free that we are no longer destined to destruction. We are saved, set free, made new, and we'll someday see God. We find peace in that. We find peace in that. But look, guys, like, I realize this isn't easy in the United States to think this through. In America, you guys, we don't really want to think too much about our future with God, we think a lot about our current day circumstances in the world. We focus a lot on the today. Like, we don't want to suffer like Paul did. If you guys may have noticed, all of the disciples suffered and were killed, or one lived and after being boiled. Okay, not the best ending. But we don't want to suffer, you guys. We don't even want to be uncomfortable in life. Can we admit this? Like, we don't want to suffer. We don't even want to be uncomfortable. This became really evident in recent times for my family, and I'm guilty of this. We had this pandemic pop up, and everybody's really stressed out and worried, right? And we have no idea what's going to happen. So what did we do? We all rushed out and bought bottled water and toilet paper for some reason. Did you guys do this? At home, I think we still have toilet paper left over from the beginning of the pandemic. We had a whole closet filled with toilet paper and bottled water. And here's the crazy part, you guys. Can't we live without both? Like, can't we live without both? Like, I don't know, for thousands of years, I don't think they had toilet paper. They used bushes or something. I'm not sure, right? And that was kind of graphic for the main stage, right? And then they didn't have, I didn't even have bottled water growing up. We drank out of the hose. Did anybody else do that? Yeah. I actually like the way it tastes coming out of a hose. It's not bad. I'm fine. My hair fell out, but I'm fine, okay? It didn't kill us. We certainly didn't die. But can we, can we actually admit as a people that sometimes we worry and stress and fret over buying things that make us comfortable? I know I do this. We worry and stress and fret over things that bring us comfort. That's why we stress sometimes. Because we're focused on external circumstances and not eternal circumstances. I want to say that again. A lot of the time we're focused on external circumstances and not eternal circumstances. Not to get too complicated. But my wife and me, we send each other memes all the time, right? Like little funny joking memes, you know. I'm 
usually on the receiving end of some jokes from my wife, right? But she sent me this the other day, and it hit me like a smack in the face. She, it said this. I'm not sure of the reference, but it said, God did not give us the book of Revelation, so we would build bigger bomb shelters in our backyard. He gave us this book, so we would build bigger dinner tables and invite our friends over to hear about Jesus. Did you guys hear that? He did not give us the book of Revelation so we would build bomb shelters in the backyard. He gave us the book so we would build a bigger table and talk about Jesus. But this is not the normal reaction for people during uncertain times and times of stress. We usually bunker in, hunker down, and try to prepare for the worst. And this seems crazy, but I actually watched the news might have been Fox, right? I'm watching the news, okay? And on the news, they're talking about this huge increase in people trying to purchase bunkers for bombs, right? And there's this company in Texas, and they usually get 65 calls for bunkers in a spring quarter. This quarter, they have received 3,000 calls for bunkers in people's backyards. We don't get to build those here in Camarillo because we don't have backyards, okay? We're not going to make it. <laughs> um, so, Send me to Jesus. All right. But this tells me something. People are scared right now. People are worried about war and end times and bunkering in. But I had this crazy idea. If this is the end times and Jesus comes back, are we going to be able to hide in a bunker? Are we going to hide from the Lord in a bunker, you guys? No. There ain't no walls thick enough to hide from the Lord. But it seems to be that people think there is. So it comes to this idea, what are we called to in times of uncertainty? We're called to rejoice. We're called to pray. And the last idea, I know Dave only does two points, but I'm giving you a bonus one. You're welcome. The third point is this. The world will mistreat others and themselves in times of uncertainty, but we are called to focus on what is praiseworthy. We are called to focus on what is praiseworthy. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Live out such things. Live for such things. Live for what is praiseworthy. But that's not our natural reaction. Our natural reaction in times of stress, I can say this from personal experience, is to bunker in. It's to hide in the foxholes. It's to recede into myself. It's to hide from conflict. But you guys, to know this as believers, we're not called to hide in the foxhole. We're not called to bunker down. We're called to run into the battle and tell people about Jesus Christ. Why? Because they don't have the peace of God that surpasses all knowledge yet. They don't have the thing that brings them peace at all. They're living for this world, today's circumstances. We're not called to hide, you guys. We're called to go into battle. But I had an idea. It's really hard to show kindness to others if we're hiding from everybody. It's really hard to, hide, to show kindness to others if we're bunkered in and hiding in the foxholes. So I ask myself this question all the time. What if everything goes from bad to worse? What if I lose my job because of the Kenny jokes? (laughs) 
it wasn't worth it. <laughs> Should have made fun of Dave. He's not even here. Um, what if I lose my family? Like, what if they, we do see a huge war in Europe? Like, I have a 16-year-old son. You know how scary that is right now? What if everything goes wrong? Am I still willing to rejoice in the Lord? Am I still going to celebrate God? Am I still going to live for what He did? Or am I going to focus on today's circumstances right now? And I had this recent situation I want to talk about. But first, I want to remind you guys of Paul's life. What did Paul do in these circumstances? He actually says in the same book that we're studying, that it would be better for him to die. He says it would be better if I was poured out like a drink offering. Why? Because he wants to go see this guy Jesus Christ. Right? He wants to see Jesus. But what does he say? He says, I'm sticking around for them that they might know the Lord, right? That they might receive salvation. So he says, go ahead, pour my life out for Jesus. I'm sticking around to preach this gospel. That should be our focus. That should be what we live for. That should be our heart's cry. And gosh, I'm praying that that is my desire. And this brings us to our big idea. Rejoice in all things because we know the Lord. Rejoice in all things because we know the Lord. And I hope this is you guys today. Rejoice in all things because you know the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't look to this world for our hope. We don't look to today's circumstances for our hope. We don't look for tomorrow's circumstances for our hope. We look to the Lord. The day that we'll see Jesus, he'll take us into his arms. He'll wipe all of our tears away, and we win. But I was thinking, could we actually be crazy enough as believers to invite uncertainty to our lives on purpose? Like, what if we were crazy enough for Jesus to invite uncertainty to our lives on purpose. And you guys are like, what? Zach just went off the rails. Okay, but I want to talk about something happened in my life recently. So recently in my life, me and my wife opened up our lives to a great deal of uncertainty. You see, my wife has this problem. She grew up a kid with um, little love from adults in her life. And she grew up little kindness. She grew up at times where she had no food in her stomach. She shares the story sometimes of when she was a kid and she would eat a Yoplait yogurt, one Yoplait, for a 24-hour period. That's all she had. So she would take 20 hours to eat this Yoplait yogurt. So she developed this issue where now she cares about everyone. Everyone. And she accepts this guy named Jesus, and it changes her heart. And now she just loves everybody, especially teenage girls, right? She just has this love for teenage girls who are in trouble. So we reach this point in our life, everything is going well for Zach. I got my dream job, right? <laughs> you guys like, this is your dream job? Yeah, right? This is my dream job. Okay, I got my dream job. I got my dream home. I got my Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, right? I have two amazing kids who love me, I think. And I have this great wife, 
we have stability, we got money in the bank, things are going so good, and I come home one day, and Shannon's crying, she's sitting on the floor, and I'm like, oh gosh, what did I do? I'm always in trouble, right? Did I leave the toilet seat up again? Like, what's going on? I have no idea. And she's crying on the floor, and she says, baby, there's teenagers out there with no love and no food and no Jesus. No love, no Jesus, no food. I think we should foster a teenage girl. And I'm not going to lie, guys, I started thinking about my circumstances. I'm like, Shannon, a teenage girl, we have two teenagers at home that don't like us. Why do we want a third, right? And they yell, and they're hormonal, and they break my stuff, right? And they eat all my food. Why would you want another one? Guys, you think I'm exaggerating. These are the things I said. And then she looked at me and she said, baby, we're so young and we have so much love to give. What am I supposed to do with that? And I remember looking at her and saying, can you not be a Jesus freak for five minutes? For five minutes, can you not be a Jesus freak? Can we just live for us right now? I want to go to Ireland. Come on. And I'm a man, so I stood my ground. I'm in charge, okay? So now we have a 16-year-old girl at home. <laughs> She's a foster kiddo, and her name's Cheyenne. And I'm not going to lie, you guys, my circumstances have changed greatly. She eats my food. She gets moody, and she shakes her head at me. When she, uh, uh, uh. No, 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 I don't even know what that is. She does that thing, makes me so mad. She drinks my bubbly water. And she took my workout room, and now it's a dirty girl room with clothes everywhere, right? <laughs> Frustrating. She's, she's changed some things. And worse yet, you guys get ready for this. Worse yet, um, our Jeep's not big enough for three kids in the back. We might have to get rid of it and get a bigger car. <laughs> this is terrible news! But when I see the way Shannon loves that little girl, man, When I see the way she loves that kid. My circumstances don't matter right now. All the time when she's home with me, I tell her that Jesus loves her. Jesus died for her. Jesus went to the cross for her. That she's set free. That she's known by God who made her perfectly and wonderfully for his purposes. I get to tell her about this guy named Jesus. Is that not worth forsaking some of my own personal circumstances, church. I get to tell her that she can rejoice in all things. That she can rejoice in all things because the Lord is her Lord. Because we know the Lord. I'm not crying, I'm a man. All right, so I look at a room full of people right now, you guys. I'm looking at a room full of people. And I wonder if there's anybody in here right now that doesn't know this guy named Jesus Christ. And maybe you've been carrying weight on your shoulders for so long. And you're carrying all these circumstances. The number one thing men are afraid of is losing their job. Are you ready to give up control? Are you ready to stop carrying all the weight of the world on yourself, men? 
Women, are you ready to surrender to Jesus? Is there someone here who know, needs to know God, needs to know that his burden is light and his yoke is easy? Maybe you're willing to stop living for yourself and start living for someone else. I want to tell you right now in this place, there's this guy named Jesus Christ, who is Lord, who went to the cross and died and covered all of your sins. You can be set free. You can be made whole. You can be made new. He loves you. Whoever you are, he loves you. He wants to know you. You guys pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for Cheyenne, and I thank you for everybody in this room, and I thank you that we can rejoice in all things, Lord, because you are good, and you are holy, and you set us free, God. Let us not live for what is external. God, let us live for what is eternal. God, this world is going to bring so many things. They're going to come and go. So many things we want to hold in our hands, God. But let us hold them loosely, knowing that in the end, our victory is we see Jesus. He will hold us tight. And he will be our Lord forever and ever. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, don't forget your toilet brush. You're going to need that. <laughs> hey, uh, if you prayed with Zach to receive Jesus, would you just let us know? If you're here with us, just tell someone at the welcome counter on your way out on the left-hand side. And if you're watching online, um, if you could go to campcc.net, click on Next Steps. There's a form you can fill out there to let us uh, know that God's doing something in your life. We want to be there for you and answer your questions and help walk with you in this journey towards Christ. Uh, lots of great opportunities. Zach mentioned that, you know, we're here for others. Uh, there's lots of ways that we can reach into other people's lives. I'm sure we all know people who need Jesus. Um, one good way is on Easter. That's coming up in, a, in two weeks. It'll be a good way, a good time to invite someone to church. Another one's this concert we have coming up on Thursday. My wife and I are going. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a phenomenal two concerts in one night with some terrific artists. Be a good time to invite someone to come with you as well. We put together a short video so you can kind of familiarize yourself with the music. Go ahead. Tickets are available in the lobby or you can get them on our website, campcc.net. I'd love to see you there. 
Um, we're going to get back to God now. It's one of the ways we worship him. There's three ways to participate on the screen. Um, you can uh, give in the lobby or online or whatever is easiest for you. It's just one of the ways we worship God. We say, God, you're number one in our life, and we're going to put you first. Um, and it's being faithful to, to what his word asks us to do in giving. It's how all of our ministries are supported here. Thank you for your generosity towards CAMCC, enabling us to continue our ministries here and, uh, and support uh, missions throughout the world. All right. Um, if you haven't joined us, growth group, we're starting growth groups. They start this week. If you're in one, I hope you took notes because the questions will be on the sermon. There's these books available in the back. You can check it out, like our different groups that are available. If you intended to get in one and just hadn't yet, you can still do it. It's not too late. There's a table in the lobby. We'd love to have you on one of our groups. All right, check out what's coming up next. Hey, CAMCC, I'm Cassidy Mathis, volunteer leader at the Young Adult Group here at CAMCC. Anyone from college to 30 years old should come check us out on Tuesdays, 7 to 9 p.m. in the Activity Center. For more info, go to our Insta, youngadult.camcc, or visit campcc.net slash youngadult. If you're a first, second, or third time guest, welcome. We have gifts for you, and we want to put a face to the name. So please go to the welcome counter in the lobby with your connection card, or if you're watching online, go to campcc.net slash next steps. Check out what's coming up. April 11th to the 15th, Spring Break Scavenger Hunt. You and your family are invited to follow a series of clues that takes you to various destinations around Camarillo with the opportunity to win some great prizes like a Nintendo Switch, family pizza party, and a family movie night. For more info, grab a card from the lobby or go to camcc.net. April 15th, Good Friday Passover Experience starts at 7 p.m. Come and experience Passover like never before. Watch how the Passover connects the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you get to learn a whole new way to view communion. You don't want to miss it. For more info, go to camcc.net. April 17th, Easter Gatherings, 9 a.m. to 10.45. Who will you be inviting this Easter? Did you know many friends and family are looking for a church to attend on Easter? They're just waiting to be asked. Be praying about who you ask to join you. Grab a card for you or and a friend or text them right now. Thursday, April 21st, Pathway Class. Join us for six weeks as you take your spiritual journey to the next level. Hear from our team of staff and elders providing tools to deepen your relationship with God and learn more about Camp CC. Space is limited though, so sign up to reserve your spot today by going to the growth group page on camcc.net or contact Jim Moyer at camcc.net for more info. Pivotal Hope, Saturday, April 30th, 10 a.m. to noon, women's tea and brunch. Join us for worship, fellowship, and some cozy dishes and drinks. The tickets are $10 and can be purchased online or on the patio. For more info, email allison at camcc.net or go to camcc.net slash women. May 27th to the 30th is Family Camp, Sage Hills in Santa Barbara. Enjoy hiking, fishing, and family games. Also enjoy a Saturday potluck dinner followed by a weekend gathering. Reserve your spot today at camcc.net. Important dates coming up. Make sure and save state and check out the upcoming events at camcc.net. High School Friathon Camp is June 19th to the 24th. And Middle School Catalina Trip is August 5th to the 8th.
To stay in the loop of what's going on at CanCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information on any of these events, please go to cancc.net. I love that as believers, we are given the gift of being able to rejoice, not only sometimes, but all the time through God. And I love that we are able to let go and let God. Um, if Remember, if it is your first time, second, or third time, go to the welcome center, uh, the welcome counter, and we have gifts waiting for you. And if you have yet to sign up for growth groups, it's only eight weeks long, eight weeks long and it's so great. Um, also, please, if you haven't yet, buy tickets for the Travis and Israel concert Thursday. And I can't wait to see you guys. Have a great rest of your week and hope to see you Sunday.